Before we read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, uh, in just a few moments, um, I just want to say how good it is to be with you. I know I've said it once, I'll say it twice. Um, it's one of the joys of being able to be one church together here in Brevard County is that we get to share together as, uh, as elders. The elders get to share uh, in, uh, together in preaching in these different locations uh, among these different people, and um, you're precious to us. I want you to know that. I, I serve over at the Pinita congregation, and um, you're prayed for, you're loved. Uh, many of you who are there are, are missed, and uh, we, uh, it's, it's sweet. It's a privilege to be able to open up the Word with you. I hope that we would all be encouraged um, this is a particularly precious passage to me personally. As Joel and I were talking about where to go in the scriptures to talk about union with Christ, this is a, a passage that is, um, has been important to me since college and um, one that rescued me in a moment of sort of trying to discover my identity, uh, trying to discover who I am in the world and what, how I had to kind of carve out my place in the world uh, I discovered that my place has been carved out, and it is the best place that there is. There is no other that is greater than the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the hand, right hand of God Set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him, where? In glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that as we sing, as we read, as we take notes or pray, Lord, you are in glory. You are yourself glorious. You are the one that makes glory, glory. Thank you, Lord, that today as we meditate upon this word, that we get to remember what you have done for us by bringing us into your glory, that we might receive this precious inheritance that belongs to the Son with and in the Son. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, that great glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are uh, in the second week of a series that Joel and I are sharing in together. Joel is actually at Cross Point Coast Pineda preaching on sanctification this morning um, from this passage. Uh, the, really, the theme of the passage is what it means to be hidden with Christ in God, what it is to be hidden with Christ, or as elsewhere in scriptures it calls what it means to be in Christ, or union with Christ. There's a theologian, his name is John Murray, really he's a pastor, um, he wrote a book called Redemption Accomplished and Applied, and he says this, union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. It's not simply a phase of the ap application of redemption, it underlies every aspect of redemption. Union with Christ isn't just like you get united with Christ and then you move on to a bunch of other really important things that we could talk about in theology and the Bible and stuff. But rather, union with Christ is the enduring reality by which we have 
anything and everything that we have as a part of our salvation. Okay? So union with Christ is a big deal. All right? Summary. Uh, justification. We talked about this last week when Joel opened up the series here. I'm going to use a couple words. Stick with me. I'll explain them. Justification is really the first implication of being united with Christ, that we are justified. It me- justification answers the question, what does it mean to be in Christ? What it means is rather than being judged on our own account, all who are redeemed have been hidden in Christ. Do you catch that? Rather than being judged on our own account, we've been hidden. So all that is his righteousness is credited to us, and all of his sacrifice that is acceptable is sufficient to make us holy and therefore justified before a holy God. This is the first implication of union with Christ is that we are justified. The second implication is sanctification. It really answers the question, how do we live in light of this new identity that we have in Christ? We've been hidden with Christ. And if we're hidden in Christ, then there's no safer place in all of creation to be. That means that the world has no power over us. Catch that. If we are hidden in Christ, who gets in there and messes with you? What power is there that could have power over you? You're hidden with Christ in God. The world has no power over you. Sin no longer condemns us. You're safe. And we've been given a new affection. We've been given a new love. When you've been rescued like that, you have been granted by being hidden in Christ a new love. In light of the union with Christ, sanctification is the process by which sin not only loses its power over us, but it also loses its appeal to the believer in Jesus Christ. So sin not only loses its power, it loses its appeal. And then there's glorification. It answers the question, what does it mean to appear with him in glory? You saw at the end of our passage this morning, right? At the end of our passage, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That's glorification. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. If the world, that sin, death, the devil, has no power over us, well, what will it look like when the world finally actually passes away? When it's, it not only doesn't have power, it isn't any longer, and all that remains is Christ and his glory. Well, what it looks like is glory. When the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross and resurrection is fully applied to the believer, and we see him face to face, that's called glorification. Glorification is the day that Christ reveals the final effect of what it means to be hidden in him. You can see why these are big words, because they're full and rich and good and sweet. They hold for us all the glories of our salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification. I want to do one more thing before we look at our text more closely. I want you to see something. I want you to see how the whole 
of the Godhead, that is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the whole of the Trinity is at work in this union with Christ. We talk about union with Christ. It means union with Jesus. What it is to be united with him. I want you to see that all of what is God is at work in the union with Christ. Union is through the election of the Father. All right? Through the decision, the election, the ordination of the Father. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. I would really encourage you to jot that down in your margin in your Bible. Take a note on that one. It's a really good one. You'll want to go back to it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. It says this. God. God, and then it tells us who God is. Who, because I'm kind of hopping in the middle of the sentence. God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. That's the God we're talking about. The God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works. That's not how we got that. That's not, that's not the means by which he purchased that. That is our salvation and holy calling. Not by our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. So because God chose by his own purpose, grace, there is for the believer salvation and a holy calling. When did he do it? When did he do that? Well, what it says is which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Let me tell you who was there before the ages began. God. Let me tell you who wasn't there before the ages began. Me, you, and absolutely everything else. So you see, salvation is not by works. It is by God's purpose. It says that he gave us in Christ before we even existed. The generosity of God in salvation was reserved, was set aside, was purposed for the believer before we even existed, that we would be in Christ. Union is through the election of the Father, through his purpose, his decision. Union is through the work of the Son. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. So we just sort of keep reading. Grace, and then it tells us what grace is. Grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus, before the ages began, all right? That's what grace is. And which now has been manifested. So he made a decision, and then he manifested it. He revealed it. He showed it through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when you see Jesus, you see how Jesus is going to execute the plan that he purposed, which is grace. And what did Jesus do? Well, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news, through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus did what the Father purposed through the gospel. So union is through the work of the Son. And then union with Christ is through the indwelling of the Spirit. And you can see how this is moving through redemption history. Romans 8, 1. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if this is true of you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give you life 
to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me tell you something that my mortal body isn't getting a lot of these days. Life. I'm 43. I don't know what that means to you. If that means like, whoa, he's old. Or if that means like, oh, I wish I was still 43. It doesn't matter. All of you know what I'm talking about. That slowly life is the one thing that my body doesn't feel like it has a lot of. All right, especially after packing up my house as we're getting ready to move just a couple miles south in Vieira. We're, we're exhausted. My back hurts. But this says that the spirit is going to take the purpose of grace that is in the Father that was accomplished through the Son, and He is going to apply that grace to creation, even to our mortal bodies. I haven't seen what that looks like yet. Like I said, my back still hurts. That's still, I'm waiting for that to appear. I think it's a hint at glorification. I want you to just already see that, that God is at work in this wonderful union with Christ. All right, so now you're like, now we know a bunch more stuff. Good, I could take a test and pass a quiz if I ever took a theology course. What's the point? What's your application? Friends, what is our business? We call this a celebration service. What are you celebrating? What are you celebrating? You know something now, and perhaps you know it more fully, you know it with more confidence, you know it better from the word. What that should do is should make Riley come up here and say, Pastor, will you sit down? I know you got more notes, but we need to sing. You know what I mean? This is celebration. The purpose that has been given to you, the application point so far, and so very often, is worship. Worship the one who has purposed you who has done the work for you, who has indwelt the believer. The purpose, the application is worship. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hold on to that. Let that get you a little excited to sing because we're going to get more that will lead us to see even greater glory so that when we do get to sing, it will be from our gut, from a people who have been moved by theology, by doctrine, of people who know better who our God is. Now, in our passage this morning, Colossians chapter 3, it says in, in, verse, in verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So whatever we had is dead, and whatever has been gifted, whatever he purposed, whatever he accomplished, whatever he's applied through the Spirit, is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Your life is hidden. This morning, our focus is on glorification. Joel is going to come back next week and unpack what really is the center of the passage, which is sanctification. It's really the main point of the text. But in here, glorification is present. We're going to pay attention to it this morning. We're talking about the part of redemption that has not yet been revealed. It's been promised. It's been described but it hasn't yet been seen with our own eyes. We've caught a glimpse of the glory in the transfiguration of Jesus. We caught a glimpse of the glory in Jesus' resurrected body. What happened to a dead guy in a tomb? The Spirit gave life to his mortal flesh. You know it was mortal because it was dead. And then it was alive. Friends, that's glory. It gives us a little glimpse of what glorification looks like. 
but we haven't seen it with our own eyes. And one of these days we'll see the glory of Christ. And this passage tells us on that day, our life will be revealed. It's the whole point of union with Christ, of being hidden with Christ. If we see Christ in all of his glory, we catch a glimpse of our own glory. We're going to talk about that more in a second. I'm going to let you just sit on that, make sure you heard it. If we see Christ in all of his glory, we get a glimpse of our own glory. Just a quick illustration. You guys have heard that, um, that phrase, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? You guys have heard that before? What do you think? What's your conclusion? Does it make a sound? Is something that has not been seen, heard, or observed with human and human eye, if our senses have not perceived it, is it still real? More importantly, if, if no human has seen it, what if an angel has seen it? What if God himself, who made all the trees and knows his own glory, has seen it? You see, glory isn't hidden. You and I just haven't seen it yet. The birds were there when the tree fell. The squirrels were there when the tree fell. Hopefully they moved pretty quick. They're pretty quick little critters. All right? They saw it. It's hidden from our eyes. Is what is hidden still real? If you know that something amazing has been hidden, now you know it's amazing, you know it's glory, and you know it's been hidden, what do you do? Well, you look for it, right? Or at very least, you long for it to be revealed, right? It causes you to search for it. What if you discover that there is still no way for what that which is hidden to be revealed any faster? Absolutely no way. Guaranteed by the one who hid it, it cannot be found until the appointed time. What do you do? Well, you don't search for it anymore. You're going to want to. Your anxiety might even cause you to just a little bit. You don't search for it anymore. But instead of searching for it, you want to know more about it. You see, I'm a researcher. And when I'm waiting on that Amazon package to arrive at my house, I don't just say, well, when it comes here, we'll find out what it is. Now, I do research. I watch videos. I watch YouTube. I, watch, I read reviews because I want to know more about the sweet thing that's about to be revealed when I open up the box when it finally gets here. That's the business of the saints these days. We can't make that which is hidden be revealed any faster. But we can look into it. We can research it. We can anticipate it with our joy and celebration and reading and investigation. Glory's coming. And the glory of Christ, which is the revelation of his own glory, is coming. We can search into it. That's our business this morning. Now the passage says, Christ, who is your life? Christ, Jesus, who is your life? I'll read a couple of scriptures. 
I think these are wonderful because they give us such wonderful perspective on what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says, I mean, I feel like my life isn't hidden with Christ in God. I feel like my life is in a pavilion in Cape Canaveral for the second time. This is my second time ever here. I feel like my life is like right here. I feel like my life is in Brevard County. And sometimes I feel like my life is in the dumps and sometimes I feel like my life's going okay. But this says that my life, that Christ, who is my life? Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There you see union with Christ. And the life I now live, now I was dead, crucified with Christ. But then the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, I have a life, and it's not here. My life is hidden with Christ in God. The life that I live here is dead apart from faith. And it's a faith in my life being hidden with Christ in God. And that reality, that is the greater reality. Not that I'm hanging out in a pavilion with the church, in Cape Canaveral, that's not the greatest reality. That reality is passing away. What is truly real and eternal is that I'm hidden with Christ. I believe that. And by faith, I walk in light of that reality. And that gives life to my mortal body today. Faith does. Otherwise, I'm dead in my sin and trespasses. Union with Christ isn't just an abstract doctrine. It's the result and expression of love. Look, it says, the life I live, and I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's an expression of love. Life is a gift. It's generosity and joy. And it's a life that's lived by faith. We receive by faith. A second scripture that's super helpful in this. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's the love of the Father for his children. And if children, then heirs. And heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If we are the children of God, then we have a whole kingdom that is our inheritance as fellow heirs with Christ because that's what Jesus has done. Our elder brother, Jesus Christ, who lived righteously, died in our place, has secured for us an inheritance that belongs to him. That's why, that's why it's so important to be united with him that we might receive that glorious inheritance. Now, what's interesting is right before it, in verse 15, in Romans 8, 15, it says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Friend, adoption is the most precious of Christian doctrines and one of the most beautiful things that we see in expression in our midst. Because when we see adoption, we see what God has done for us. That we who were far off from him 
and on our own in this world have been brought into the kingdom of the Son, are hidden with him. And we get to put aside our old name and take on a new name and a new identity. That's what was happening for me in college. I was trying to figure out what it was like, what it was. I was 17 years old when I went off to school. And that, that's kind of young to go off and do something stupid like that. And uh, I didn't know who I was, and I was still trying to figure out if I was a fife, if I was, actually, many of you don't even know this. My name is not Jeremiah. My first name is Jason. Jeremiah is my middle name. Man, that's an identity crisis. Or I don't even know what my name is. That was really, man, <laughs> I've been adopted. I have a new name. I've been hidden with Christ in God. The central longing of redemption is that we would see Christ, who is our life. Then, the passage says, then, when you see him, you will appear with him in glory. That sounds like a good idea. Anybody want that? You see, I like going to Chipotle on, on uh, Sunday afternoons. I like going to my couch and falling asleep while watching football. There's lots of places I love to be, lots of things that I love to do when I get there. But this one tops them all. I would like to appear with Christ in glory. I have a hard time getting excited about it even because I have a hard time imagining it. Do you see why the business of investigating glory is important? So that we might not get so excited about Chipotle anymore? <laughs> that is our great thrill in the universe. The glory of Christ is where I want to appear. Peter O'Brien, he's a commentator on Colossians. He writes, Our heavenly life will be fully manifested in all its glory when Christ, who embodies it, appears. Our heavenly life has a body, and it's the body of Christ. We too, who share his life, we don't have a life on our own. We have come to share. Our life was died on the cross. Justly, I'm a sinner. I belong dead. So if I have a life, it's not mine. We too who share his life will share in his glorious, it says the word epiphany, his glorious revealing. What is now secretly present shall be revealed when Christ shall appear. Do you hear that? That which is secretly present. When is our life hidden with Christ in God? Is, is glory a future reality? Mm -mm. Not if you read Colossians chapter 3. And that's what I knew. I actually knew the words justification, sanctification, glorification. But I thought those were three things that happened like at three absolutely different times. Glory is already real. When is my life hidden with Christ in God? This is present tense language. It just hasn't been revealed. It's already real. I just haven't entered into it yet. It's already secretly present. That's why our lives are lived by faith. I don't see it. What I'm saying right now to the non-redeemed ear sounds like craziness. I totally get it. Faith. Now, it's faith in a historic reality about a real resurrected Jesus Christ and his words that ring true in history. But today, 
That which is revealed has not been seen. But I believe it. I find it to be trustworthy. And I'm banking eternity on it. Our bodies, our minds, our flesh sure feel like they're living and suffering in this body of death. But the gospel, redemption, means that our true and lasting life is hidden for us in glory. And when he appears, you also will appear with him in glory. You also will appear. Also. Don't miss it. Also. When Christ appears, you appear. Also, what are you excited about about heaven? It better be Jesus. Because if you're going to appear there, he better be there. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him also. This is the essence of union with Christ. This is the object of our faith in Jesus. Our entire future, our inheritance, our life, our forgiveness, our eternity is wrapped up in the hope of his appearing. When he appears, he will appear in glory. In glory. Joseph Lightfoot writes, Then you also will appear with him. The veil which now shrouds your higher life from others and even partly from ourselves, will then be withdrawn. The veil is pulled aside. That which the Spirit has given witness to us, increasing our faith, will finally be revealed to us. The world which persecutes, despises, ignores, will now be blinded with the dazzling glory of revelation. Today we live by faith, not by sight. Faith, that is our life, is hidden in glory. So our enemies may do as they're pleased to us. Go ahead. My life is hidden. Good luck finding it. You can kill my body, but you can't take my life. Our enemies can do as they please. They can go get it, but they can't mess with us. They can't steal hope because we cling to a hope by faith that is secure and it's coming. And when the glory of Christ appears, one of the, I don't know what things we'll say, let me be honest, but I know one of the things that will be true on that day is we ought to say, that's my glory. That's, that's mine. In Christ, to his glory, by his wisdom, according to the plan and purpose of the Father, because of the work of the Son, because of the application of the great Spirit of God. That's my glory. We're going to sing in just a few moments. My hope is built on nothing less. We call it cornerstone because we stick a little tagline and chorus in it every once in a while. But it says this. When he shall come with trumpet sound. Now I'm going to pause there because you know where we're going. We've already sung about it in Amazing Grace, right? Is it possible that one of the things that in our gatherings we do is we really want application points to go and do something with? Friends, that's good. That's good. That's why Joel's going to talk about sanctification next week. It's why we we do talk about what are the implications of the gospel for life, right? What is the fruitfulness that we have from the foundation of Christ? It's a good question to ask. But is it possible that we have ignored 
and not given enough attention to our hope that is secure in glory. The Apostle Paul sure talks a lot about it. The Apostle John was given a glimpse of it in Revelation. The prophets in the Old Testament sure speak about glory and paradise and hope. Jesus sure thought it was good to speak to the thief on that day until today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm like, man, I'm with him in paradise today. And one of these days it'll be revealed. So when we say when he shall come with trumpet sound, what if we woke every, up every morning and say, will this be the day I hear the trumpet? This is it. Oh, may I then in him be found. In him, my righteousness alone. Leave everything that was on my account here. Faultless to stand before the throne. This is our hope. Friends, if that doesn't change the way you live today, if that's not an application point, if you can't live in light of that, perhaps you ought to ask the question, have you seen the Christ? Have you trusted in his name? And if you need to be encouraged today, as you have struggled to live in light with that, of that, perhaps what you need to do is look to Christ today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glory and the grace that is in the Christ who is on the throne at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Our life is, our life is hidden in him. I would not talk like this. I would be scared to talk like this if it was not revealed in your word. Too glorious for us. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you would change the way we sing, the way we pray, the way we live, the way we believe in light of the hope of glory that is in Jesus Christ. And we say, Lord, Lord, come quickly. May this be the day we hear the trumpet sound. Thank you, Lord. We trust you in the name of Jesus, our glorious hope. Amen.